Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Hey, Becky. Welcome, everybody. We've got a female CEO legend in the house today. We do have a little legend here in the house. I'm so excited for this conversation. So Amy McLaren is joining us today, and she's somebody that I've kind of followed for a while, Um, her family especially. She and Stu McLaren, you may recognize his name, just are such leaders in the entrepreneurial space. They just show up with an incredible servant heart. They love the world. They're taking their family along this journey too to grow empathy and compassion. They've started their own nonprofit, Village Impact, that we're going to talk about today, a little bit of the story. And Amy just puts her flag in the ground of really challenging people to live like real life and experience real experiences and get involved and turn your passion into purpose. And that's a that's a thread of her life. And it's a thread that has led to a book that she just recently launched. And so we're going to talk with her about that today. But she's got all the tips, all the hacks and just incredible story behind her too. So I am so happy to have Amy on the podcast today. Welcome. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat. Well, it is such an honor. Would you kind of give us a little bit of your story? I would love to hear, you know, what has brought you to the place today where you have a nonprofit, you serve entrepreneurs, you really are feel called, I know, to serve women specifically. And so would you kind of talk a little bit about your journey and kind of what got you here? Yeah. So um, if I were to rewind the clock and go back a little ways to when I was little, I really do accredit a lot of who I am today from when growing up as a kid. Um, I grew up in a family in the UK. I moved when I was 10. I know I don't sound like I'm from <laughs> I went to the UK accent. Come on. I know. <laughs> and like now, you know, now being 41, I wish I had <laughs> my accent, but I don't. But I grew up in the UK and my family was really big on traveling, which has obviously remained a common thread throughout my life, but also giving back. I mean, I remember as a kid going to soup kitchens with my mom. We would have strangers over at Christmas time or at special occasions, just because, you know, these people had nowhere to go and my mom wanted them to have someone to spend that special time with. So we were constantly as a family, even when I was little doing all of these giving back activities and that thread of like giving back and travel extended into my teenage years. I mean, I flew by myself back to the UK when I was 11 and planes almost seemed like a second home for me, as funny (laughs) as that sounds. But like my mom, they put, they put me on the plane and like I, I flew by myself and landed in, the, in London and my family picked me up and I did that a few times. And then like that whole travel piece kind of, like I said, threaded throughout my teenage years into university and university. I kind of went more on the volunteer side of things. So I started to volunteer a lot internationally. I lived in um, refugee camps for a little bit. I lived with a Thai family, which I absolutely loved and kind of just being with other families and immersed in other cultures. I just, it lights me up and I learned so much, not only from them, but about myself and learned how we can work together with other communities and other cultures. And I just love that. So every summer that I had, I was traveling, teaching English, um, living with other cultural different families. I was in Taiwan at one point, Indonesia, like I, I traveled extensively 
through my um, university career. And then that kind of led me to do my master's in teaching. Um, but of course, being me, I'm like, I don't want to do it in Ontario. Like, let's go to Australia. <laughs> and like, I ended up in Australia. But at the same time, like working three jobs, getting through as much as I can, saving as much money as for travel. And I credit my my parents to that too. And that I've always, I've had to always work three or four jobs to get to where I want to be. And that kind of how, is how I did Australia. Like, working nights at a convenience store while saving money for traveling, like, and working in a bikini store, like all those things kind of led, but I constantly followed what I was passionate about in that traveling and giving back. And, you know, then that led to um, my husband and I uh, getting married. But the funny thing is we've been married for almost 15 years, but the seven years um, we dated for seven years before we got married. And out of that seven years, I was only in the country, maybe a few of those years because I was constantly <laughs> traveling. But I write about this in my book of how, you know, he was so supportive and never said, Amy, don't go because he knew how much I was passionate about it. And I do think um, when you're in a relationship, honoring each other's passions and giving space for that creates a healthy relationship. And so I, I, we often joke that I'm like, if you had said, no, don't go, don't leave me. I would have been like, we'll see you later. Cause like, that's what I want to tell you. <laughs> Stu knew what was so, up. <laughs> yeah. Right. But he was always supportive, was always there when I got back with a big sign and flowers and like, you know, as he was building his business and kind of that snowflake, obviously into getting married. I was teaching for 10 years. I write about this in my book too. I had the struggle of this identity crisis because I went into teaching, Hmm. but it wasn't filling me up. I liked it, but I didn't love it. And then I move on to, you know, creating our nonprofit that all kind of started by watching Oprah's Big Give and wanting to do more and having an impact that led to um, really the start of Village Impact. Okay, you said it's inspired by Oprah. I need to double click on this. Oprah's on our dream list. Throw out all of the um, (laughs) questions we had. Let's double click right here. Yeah, Oprah. I mean, who doesn't want to be Oprah, right? Like she's done so many phenomenal things for so many people. And it was, you know, it was was a night in December. It was like a, you know, a crazy Friday night. We were watching um, Oprah's Big Give. And it was that show, right? Where she goes into communities, she helps other people. And I said to Stu, I'm like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to do what Oprah's doing, but I want to go back to my roots of like overseas and international travel, because that's always what I've been passionate about. It's always what lights me up. And that's, what's different for everybody, right? Like some people will say, well, that's not my thing. And that's okay. Like, but for me and what truly lights me up is being in a completely different country in a completely different language in a completely different culture and just learning about people and learning about myself. So I said, I want to do that, but I want to do it at Christmas. And at this point it was like two weeks before Christmas holidays. <laughs> and Stu's like, Amy, you do know, like Christmas is in two weeks. And I'm like, yeah, but I only get time off being a teacher at that point. I only had Christmas off. I couldn't go any other time of the year. And I'm not one to wait around and be like, well, let's table the idea until next year or to the summer, right? At that point, we asked seven entrepreneurs to share their wisdom for the upcoming year as like a telefundraiser at that time, so like a webinar. And those seven people shared um, their wisdom, people paid to hear from them. And then we raised about 14,000 and we took that money down to El Salvador. We helped with a community we helped at an orphanage. Um, we did all kinds of little things. And then on that plane ride home, Stu was like, okay, it's like, I get it now because there's so much value and you can write a check every day, but to be immersed in, in that moment and just helping people and learning about them and learning how, how we could work together is so important. So we flew back from there, basically said at that point, 
let's do another fundraiser the following year. It was messy at the start. We were running it for our business. We didn't know how to start a charity. I was Googling <laughs> like charity lawyers, like, how do I do this? <laughs> right. And it's yep. like, and that's where it really started. And like that moment on the couch now has led to working in Kenya um, in partnership with the government and other communities there. And we're building our 15th school that has, you know, in each school has anywhere from 300 to 760 kids that attend it. And, um, but that's how it started a messy start on a couch on a Friday night with some wine watching Oprah. <laughs> I wonder how many stories could begin like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting on the couch, watching Oprah's big give, feeling inspired. Okay, wow. Amy, <laughs> you are an incredibly just good human. And there's so many places that I want to go with this conversation. I want you to just talk about taking that passion and fusing it into Village Impact and talk about these people and this culture and what you've been able to do. Yeah. So I strongly believe like, you know, we can all use our passions to do more good in the world and everybody's passion and everybody's um, contribution looks completely different. Do you know what I mean? There's no right or wrong way. There's no big or small, like we can all have an impact. And it's part of the reason why I wrote the book is, you know, people think they have to start a charity or start a nonprofit or start a business to have an impact. And it's just not the case. Like we can have an impact starting today with what we love and just infuse that giving back into what we're passionate about. So yeah. So following that thread of giving back and travel, like it led us over to Kenya, but at the beginning, I think it's important to note it was messy. And we, you know, we started in Ghana and we were helping all these different, um, we were helping in health. We were helping with food, like we're having all these different ways. And I never felt like we we're having an impact because we were putting band-aids on everything. And then I felt like the connection wasn't very good and the money maybe wasn't going where it should. And like we pulled out and then went back to the drawing board and focused back on education. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important when you're when you're trying to integrate like giving back into what you're passionate about is, is to stick to what brings you the joy, to stick to the things that are true to you. And we kind of varied for a little bit, but it was always education. Like as much as I'm, I'm not a teacher anymore, I really believe that giving somebody the gift of education is a gift that nobody can take away. It's a gift that has ripple effects beyond the students, beyond the community, beyond the families. Mm -hmm. So for us as a nonprofit, it was like we went back and then like what well, um, education has always been something we're passionate about. And like, so then we started with building the schools, but you don't get focused or you don't get clarity until you start taking some action toward whatever it is that you're doing, right? Like the act you've he probably heard before, action is clarity. And, and that's it. We got off the couch. <laughs> you can keep things more alive when you're passionate about it. It's like you said earlier, and I share in my book, when you're passionate about it, it lights up and it brings out the very best of who we are. And if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, it's not going to go very far, right? It'll last like a week. It'll last a month, maybe a year. But if you're truly not passionate about what you're doing and enjoying that and using that, then it's not, it's not going to last the test of time. It's this moment in time too. I mean, all the data is starting to flow into that people are leaving their careers. And we, we know from just so many conversations this past year, people are looking for purpose. They're looking to not to just commute for an hour to go stare at a screen. They want meaning. And I think you said something, and I've heard you say this on other interviews too, that when you step into that purpose, like that is your, you become your best self. You totally do. And it's, and that's where I think people um, get lost in trying to find purpose, but your purpose is your passion. Like if you follow your passion, it will lead to your purpose and everyone's sense of 
you know, passion is uniquely their own or purpose is uniquely their own. But I do believe it's, it's connected to our passion. And the more that we focus on what we're passionate about and focus in that area, that becomes our purpose. Like when I look at my life and like the sense of travel and giving back, I've followed that and tried to, you know, I've gone off path a few times, I think with the teaching and stuff, but I've always come back to giving back and travel and creating experiences. And the business that I run now, they're all connected to that. Do you know what I mean? They're all yeah. interconnected into that. And I, I think people can find purpose, but first you have to start of following what lights you up and what you're passionate about. Then that leads, it's the vehicle that leads to your purpose. Taking a quick pause to share some exciting news from our friends over at GiveButter. They just launched an even better way to give with an end-to-end fundraising solution. They've paired their beloved virtual events and online fundraising platform with an integrated CRM and built-in tools to engage your supporters through custom emails, texts, and more. And the best part? It's completely free. It's easy to see why GiveButter is loved by more than 35,000 nonprofits and other good causes just like yours. And P.S. They're also loved by the three of us who are super fans. Ready to get started with GiveButter? Check them out at givebutter.com. Preach. I mean, I we talk about abundance mindset, and I think that threaded together is that we need people to get in their zone, like if they're where they're passionate. <laughs> that's how we're going to eradicate and take care of these big issues. So, very much drinking that Kool Aid that yeah, you're doing, and it's about like some some self reflection. And I, I love that you can lift it up. So, I mean, you have so many tenets to what you're passionate about. You, but you can drill down to them. It's education. It's travel, it's service to others, and it's giving back. And it's like, what are the things that you're incredibly um, passionate about that you can fuel? So we want to transition into your book, because I think that this could help people not only define that passion, but set it kind of on fire. So love your, love the title of your book. It's Passion to Purpose, a seven-step journey to shed self-doubt, find inspiration, and change your life in the world. I mean, some people might find that as dreamy optimism, but I'm just telling you that is it. like totally what we believe as yeah. well. So talk a little bit about how to how what the secret is to get out of your comfort zone. How do people eliminate self-doubt and then how do they just take action to chase what they're really passionate about? Yeah, you know it's it's funny cuz it's like this journey of creating my nonprofit and creating the other business that I have didn't as we know didn't just start last year. Like this has been a 10-year journey. Like it's been well maybe 12 years. Do you know what I mean? I've had lots of winding roads and learning about myself, learning how to overcome self-doubt, get out of my head and like keep moving forward because I mean it's it's been an amazing journey, but there have been challenges along the way to to get to where it is. And there's a few things that I've done that I talk about in the book, but a, a few of them that I think would be helpful for people um, the, the first one being, you know, monitor the internal talk that we say to ourselves, because we've got to watch, we don't go down rabbit holes <laughs> and then get, you know, start telling all these stories and like, and, and it's better to rephrase what you're telling in your head and ask yourself, how can I make it happen? Like changing that mindset. Like when we started our nonprofit, it wasn't like, oh, I can't do that. It's like, well, how can I raise money or how can I do it at Christmas. Like, how can I make this happen? So instead of letting your mind go to, I couldn't do that. Oh, I don't know. I don't have it. Or focusing what you don't have. It's like, focus on how can you make it happen? Who can I talk to, to, to help with that? So that's when we started. It's like, well, we, we, we focusing on what we know, we knew the online space fairly well at that time. So we focused on that and we found seven entrepreneurs that were our friends to share 
because that was what is, was available to us and how we can create it. Right. And the crazy thing is those seven people that came on, the, um, that jumped on that call, we just did the same call this Chris or this Christmas, 10 years later, and there's still some of our, our biggest donors to our nonprofit. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just asking yourself how the other second thing I would just share quickly is, you know, making sure you're not living someone else's story. Um, because this has popped up a few times in my life and, Um, it popped up for me first when I had my daughter, like before I had my daughter, I was so paranoid of losing myself, of losing this adventurous Amy that, you know, goes to Bangkok and rides around on motorcycles, not knowing where I'm going (laughs) and all of these things, right? Like that was who I was. Like people knew me for my adventurous spirit and I was paranoid and like putting off having kids. And I knew I wanted to have children, but I but sometimes I wondered if I did. And I was, I realized that, you know, I was letting everybody else get into my head because when I was pregnant, I had so many people tell me that, you know, you won't be able to do the things that you love to do anymore. You have to put yourself last, like, Mm -hmm. and you know, you won't be able to travel overseas anymore. You won't be able to do this. And I, I was letting everyone else's kind of version of what society is placed on them or like their stories come into my head. And then when I had my daughter, I kind of was like, well, you know, it's my journey. I can make it my own journey. It does not have to be all these other voices of what everyone else is saying. I can do it myself. And this is my journey as a mom, as a, you know, a CEO, as an owner of a company. That's who I am. But I was letting those voices of other people kind of almost guide my feelings or guide whatever my journey was be. And the same thing um, popped up again for a friend of mine, Alyssa. She was my trainer for a number of years and we were training, working out. And I said, Oh, like you should come with me. This was like three years ago, four years ago. I'm like, you should come with me on this motorcycle trip. I'm doing like, I'm going to drive across Morocco on a 50 CC motorcycle. <laughs> Like we won't have hotels planned, but we just have to find places to stay. It's crazy, right? Like I, I sometimes <laughs> I wonder what my parents think. <laughs> anyway, I, I, you know, I really wanted her to come and I could see like in her eyes that she wanted to. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. I got to talk to my dad. And, and then she, she spoke to her dad and her dad said, no, I don't want you to go. It's too dangerous, which is fair. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's fair. It, it was somewhat dangerous. But she really wanted to go. And I, and I kind of, we talked about it after when I got back because she said, I really wish I came. And the reason she didn't was because her dad said no, but it was also her dad like has um, only, and not only like he, he liked to go to Florida. Like that was his comfort zone. Like travel internationally wasn't a big comfort of his, right? So he's like, has his stuff and his stories And now he's telling Alyssa and all these stories and she's kind of living by what he's saying, but ignoring that joy or what lights her up to do. And then that's not living what she wants to do. So I think sometimes it's so important to make sure we're acknowledging what brings us joy and not pushing it aside and making sure that it's not somebody else's words and thoughts and stories coming into our life and changing our direction of what we want to do. Your story a few minutes ago, when you said y'all were starting to organize your thoughts. So this was like 12 years ago. Y'all, this is before everybody was on Zoom, which I think is hilarious because you had, you gathered everybody online. You started with a grassroots. Who do you know that could help Mm -hmm. you build this movement? You knew what you wanted to do. You started to share that vision. We talk a lot about how clear vision creates magnetism, you know, and I think y'all clearly did that. 
But I think the people you brought in at the beginning, you said some of them are still with you. Maybe some of them didn't have the full passion that y'all have, but they were probably supportive at some level in the beginning. What has that been like as you've built a grassroots movement of supporters, you know, cutting through the people that believe from the beginning and those that you've brought along as believers? Could you kind of talk about that kind of movement building that you've done? Yeah. So um, we did that first webinar, which at that time wasn't a webinar, right? Like you said, it was, I think they, it was a teleseminar. So teleseminar, right? Like it was just audio. Yeah. It's been, it's been an incredible journey because not only have those seven people that were part of that very first one, um, they've kind of jumped on board. So what's been amazing to watch is they've come to Kenya with us, like one being Russell Brunson, like he, we've known him forever. And now he's like, has a huge company in ClickFunnels, right? And he's been with us to Kenya, I think four times, like, wow. and he's bringing his family with us when we go in March. Um, and it's just fascinating and fun to watch it grow. And, mm-hmm. you know, you start off with an idea and they came on board, you're right, kind of knowing what we're doing, but not really sure, but being supportive friends as people do. But now what's been fascinating, not only has his relationship with the communities grown for Russell, for example, he's also integrated into his business. So every funnel that is created, a dollar goes to our nonprofit. And so we've, um, with our other businesses that Stu and his team run, it's the same thing. We've integrated at the very beginning, giving back. And I think that's what's so beautiful and what's so important to note is that you know, you don't have to have, like I said, this big company, there's importance in integrating, giving back right from the start of your business. So to watch like that relationship grow where, you know, he's donating a little bit to now donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to us has come over seven or 10 years of like just the relationship that we've had together, but then his business. Um, So it's been special to see that how they've implemented it all into their business and giving back, but it's been super special seeing him and his kids grow up, but then also coming to Kenya with us. And it's the same with some of our other donors that sit on, that were a part of that first one. Um, They've all kind of continued to take part and help and integrated some of it into their business. Um, And that's been my biggest takeaway is just, it's crazy when you think of one idea and then that thought of giving back and integrating it into your business in the littlest ways Mm. could blossom to something huge, like seven, 10 years later. Okay, there there are so many things I want to say about this, but I'm going to give you a super big compliment, Amy, on a couple things because they tie back to so many themes that we have talked about on this podcast, but also the theme of season three was about dreaming. And what we have here and what you've just eliminated is if you can cast a vision that somebody can latch on to. If you can listen to your nudge, Hannah Brencher talks about listening to your nudges. If mm-hmm. you did it, this to me is the example, John, of what we were saying can happen when mm-hmm. you do that. Amy built a mission and a yeah. movement and it's got legacy. And it's not mm-hmm. necessarily about Amy, which is so beautiful about your story. I don't feel like you're a common thread of this. It's about uplifting and empowering and the CSR component of Russell's story is so fascinating that if you can awaken that passion, even in someone in for-profit, they can find such creative ways to pour into it, not just with their philanthropy, but with their workforce, with the way their employees can give back, the way that the company can give back. I'm just geeking out on all of it. And I just think that your story is so inspirational and aspirational. Oh, thank you. No, it's, it's, 
That has been the thing. It's like you said, it's connecting people to it because it, it is like, it's not about me. I just love connecting people to causes and creating an impact together. And when we talk about legacy, like, you know, legacy is such a big word, but it's not. And that, you know, legacy isn't about a one time thing. Like we are building our legacy every single day. Like the way I show up as a mom, the way I show up as a wife, the way I show up in our community is so important. And it's those little, little pieces that lead to our legacy, that create our impact. And I think oftentimes people just say they can't, oh, I can't because it's not, I'm not big enough yet. I don't have a big nonprofit, right? But it's not like it's, it's really and truly is all the little things that we do every day that creates our legacy at the end of the day. And the way that you were able to partner that with these businesses, it gives a soul, you know, to not that ClickFunnels doesn't have a soul, you know, I think what they do to empower entrepreneurs alone is really impactful. But just that this deeper storyline of what we're doing, like why customers would want to create more funnels, it creates more impact, like it's threading that together. And I just think finding those kind of business relationships, everybody can do that. We all know business owners, having these dreamy conversations, inviting them into the story, so they can think creatively like a business owner of ways to tie it together. Man, this is just so beautiful. And, and it's I, a lot like the We Are For Good story. Like start very, very, very small. Start with your complete inner circle of people mm, who know yeah. you, people who trust you, people who believe in you. Let that be the first stone that you cast. And from there, the ripple can be endless. Yeah. It totally is. And it's like, the more you put that out there, the more people you're going to attract that know what you're doing. And when you become clear about your goals and your mission or, or where you're going, it's easier for people to jump on board. Do you know what I mean? It's easier yeah. for people to understand what you're doing so then they can jump on too, because there's so many people out there that want to help and do more good, but sometimes they just don't know how, or they're not sure which way to go. And it's like, you can give them that opportunity to help by just sharing more about what you're doing. Okay, Amy, y'all have got incredible stories. I know from all of your decade plus of this work, is there a story that philanthropy really that has moved you that stuck with you kind of stands apart in your journey? Yeah, you know what? Um, it, there's so many, but there's probably one that really kind of hit home for me. Um, and it was the first time I saw our one of our schools. And because like you, I've said on the show, like I'm a mom, I have an adopted little guy from South Africa. He's seven now. And I have a daughter who's 10. And when we first started our organization, I was very pregnant. Like I couldn't travel. I couldn't go there. I couldn't see anything. And you know, when you're working behind the computer all the time, I'm not getting a chance to go and <laughs> meet with the mamas and like enjoy tea in their houses. And like, I was really, really missing that. And of course, then we opened our first school. I couldn't go. Then we opened our second school and while Marla was only like a month old, so too young to really take her overseas when we hadn't, I call it vaccine, like, I know too young to take her. So I missed it again. So when we opened up our next school, I went, and that was just so moving for me in so many ways, because I finally could see, you know, all the work that had been going on on the computer, the, the relationships, the talk, like actually being there and seeing it. And then it was not only seeing, you know, the school itself, it was seeing the community and seeing, you know, the hundreds of kids that were scattered around and singing and dancing and the mom singing and dancing and, and then what the school had become. So the school had not only become a school, but it had become like this hub for um, the community, like a hub and a space for them to come. And that's what a lot of our schools have now become because 
the communities will gather there. Like they become this spot for them to go and it represents like hope. And we have other organizations using, you know, some of our classrooms for different things. And it's just, it's so much more than a school and not only to the community, but to the kids and and to myself and to Stu and like some of our staff, like, and that was just seeing, seeing what was created and not from me, but from all of the people that were involved to create the school, um, was my first one. And I mean, I was probably a bit more emotional because my daughter was still pretty young. I mean, you know, <laughs> like, right. So, but it was, but for me, I can, that was my first one after just not seeing, being able to see anything um, for a couple of years and then getting to see it was super special. And then the school becomes not just a school. And then the mission is not just a nonprofit. And and the story just keeps going. So, Amy, our last question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your one good thing? It could be a life hack. It could be a bit of advice. What's your one good thing? My one good thing is, you know, just to honor what you love. Like so many people don't honor it and push it aside and don't make it a priority. Um, and then they wake up 15 years later and they're like, how did I, how did I get here? <laughs> like, because you didn't honor what you love and you've got to do more of what you love and honor it um, to create your purpose. So one thing is just to not push it aside and put it on your calendar because it should be up there with your, with your health and working out and eating healthy. Your what you're passionate about should be up there with that as well. I agree. I think my wife and I always talking about, it's like so many people just are like sleeping at the wheel, you know, just like coasting and not chasing the things that are on their heart or their passions. And so I just love that call to action. Okay. Amy, will you tell us all how we can get your book? And I want to point out your book. You've already dedicated the proceeds of that back to Village Impact, which is an incredible oh, Amy. thing. So You're definitely so everybody great. needs to get this book. Let's buy a let's buy what's a, a million books for what's a crate Amy? of books. What do you call that? <laughs> yeah. So um, all our proceeds from the book is going to our 15th school. So it'll Amazing. help fund a school for girls that'll have about 300, I think 350, 50 something is the number they're estimating to have at that particular school. Um, but yeah, all the proceeds will go. You can find out more at passion is where we have a lot of the cool bonuses and different things there. If I will say, if you did order in bulk, we have bookmarks made by our local Kenyan community that are shipping out with the books, which I love because again, it goes into touching like physical, something that you can touch and hold that's made by some of the people in our community. Um, and then I'm on Instagram more than Facebook, but I'm on Instagram at Amy John McLaren. I just thank you so much for coming on the podcast and we wish you all the joy and luck in the world to you and your family. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really great chatting. It's been an honor. Thanks. Hey friends. Thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics. Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. One more thing. If you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us, and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief. 
our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.